And going to our gospel reading today, Luke chapter 18, Luke 18, 31 to 43. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. O Lord, open my eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Speak, O Lord, for your servants listen. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this place, Lord, by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, may they be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our only redeemer, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to look today briefly at our gospel passage, the, uh, the passage that uh, Mark the gospel writer uh, treats as uh, blind Bartimaeus, this, this blind beggar by the side of the road. And, and I want to look with you briefly on this idea of the ignominy, the shame of the cross that, um, that begins our passage. So if you look at verse 32, if you have your Bibles before you, uh, as Jesus begins to describe what's coming in Jerusalem... <clears throat> as he describes uh, what's going to happen to him on the cross and with the Romans and the Jews, he, he, he specifically begins to emphasize the shame of it all. And he repeats these words, mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon, and then flogged. These four things, actually. There's an emphasis on shame, ignominy. There's, a, there's an emphasis here. And... Luke is presenting to us something of the upside-down law of the kingdom. This is 1 Corinthians 1.28. God chose what is low, and he chose what is despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. This is how God works in his saving plan. This is how God works in his saving acts for people, God chooses what is nothing, what is shamefully treated, in order to bring to naught things that are. And Jesus Christ is the culmination 
of what God has always been doing. And so you think of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, a kingdom of slaves that brings to naught a kingdom of great power, weak and desperately small, and God uses that thing. Gideon and his 300 men, right? Whittling Gideon down. Gideon, you're still, you're still too large. Making Gideon and his army weak and despised. David, the runt of the litter. David, the one that no one even thought to put in the lineup. David, the public enemy to the house of Saul, weak and despised. The prophets, generally unliked by people, generally unpopular in the land of Israel, desperately at times unsure of themselves. Oh Lord, I don't know how to speak, said Jeremiah, weak and despised. And God has always been choosing what is low and despised in the world. And Jesus Christ is the zenith of God's project in, in, in this. In, in Christ, God supremely says no to the strength and the, prow the prowess and the glory of the world. And he says yes to his own saving strength and his own glory. Now note today how the disciples don't get it. They just don't understand this. Four chapters from now in Luke's gospel, four chapters ahead of us, after the institution of the Lord's Supper, after the Lord breaks the bread and says, this is my body, after he pours the wine and he says, this is my blood, after he explains a new covenant in his blood, after that, the disciples start to fight. And you know what they start to fight about? Which of them will be the greatest? They start playing king of the hill, right? This is what we played as kids. I'm the king of the castle. You're the dirty rascal. Maybe you guys didn't play that. We played that as kids. Who can get on the top? You push everyone down. They're playing king of the castle. Who will be the greatest? And they're fighting with each other. Even in this holy, holy moment. The disciples cannot perceive that God's power and purpose is realized in lowliness and in weakness and in shame. So verse 34, if you look ahead of you, they understood none of these things. They just don't get it. And think of Peter's great confession. This is Matthew 16. Jesus, had that, who do you say I am, Peter? And Peter gets it right. You're the, you're the son of God, right? Blessed are you, Simon of Barjona. Right? For God has revealed this to you. This hasn't come of flesh and blood. God has revealed this to you. And what does Peter do next? He has this great moment where he gets the answer right. The next moment, Jesus starts explaining what he's going to do. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be shamefully treated. And Peter says, far be it, Lord. This will not happen to you. And the Lord has to rebuke him. Get behind me, Satan. So it's amazing how that passage is juxtaposed against each other. Blessed are to you, Simon of Barjona. And then an instant later, he's the devil. Doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. The disciples just don't get the message of the cross. That God's strength is not dependent on human conceptions of glory. And he purposefully, God that is, manifests his strength in those things that are despised and weak. We struggle with this too. We don't get it. We're perplexed by our weakness. We see our smallness and we see our hiddenness as a limitation. We see it as a barrier 
to God's purposes. We see our weakness and we see our, our smallness as a closed gate. Where God sees these things as an open door. An opportunity to manifest his glory and his strength. Five loaves for the 5,000. Seven loaves for the 4,000. This is what God does. This is his, his pattern. He takes things that are little regarded. And he makes his strength known through them. And you'll notice today that the disciples' inability to grasp the upside-down law of the kingdom has an effect on their mission. There's a blind man sitting by the roadside and he's begging. And there's hardly a more fitting picture of shame and of weakness than this blind beggar. There's hardly a better candidate for God's glory to begin to burst forth and shine forth in a man that is little regarded by the world. Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor. He was anointed for the sake of the oppressed and the captives. He was sent to recover sight to the blind. And here is a man in great ostensible need. He's in manifest captivity and he is crying out to the messianic king. He is crying out to the son of David. Oh Lord, have mercy upon me. And those in Jesus' party who meet him first, they're the ones who are going on ahead. They're at the vanguard of Jesus' mission. They're the important ones. They see this man, this object of shame and of poverty, and what do they do? Verse 39, they rebuke him and they tell him to be silent. You see, when we don't understand the cross, that God chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong, it doesn't only affect us, it affects those that we should be serving. It affects our mission. We want to be able to value the people in whom God desires to work his salvation. That's who we want to value, but if we don't get the cross, we just can't do it. One of my favorite uh, children's films is still the first installment of the Cars series. The other, the other ones didn't quite, they didn't quite add up. They didn't quite make it. It's basically Doc Hollywood. And there's incredible gospel truth here. Lightning McQueen, you see, he's fixed on this idea of glory and strength and speed. What does he say? What is his little mantra that he says? I am speed. I am speed. He's got his eyes fixed on applause and big crowds, lights, camera, and actions. And he's blind to the weak and to the despised things in this world. The things that are actually the locus or the vehicles, to pardon the pun, of God's glory. <laughs> things that are the vehicles for the greatest blessing. Things that the world doesn't regard, a rusty tow truck, a grumpy old curmudgeon of a, of a, of a dock, an old timer, an out of the way and a, a dilapidated uh, town, a Porsche who's given up on the, on the accolades, the, the fame of life. He's blind to these things. And the story is about Lightning McQueen's slow realization that it's here in the circle of weakness and shame that true power and true glory is to be found. And it's here 
in the circle of this blind beggar by the roadside that God's kingdom explodes. Not with the disciples, with this beggar. This nothing of a man has faith to behold the Savior. And it's here in this despised sphere that we have the glory of God, the glorifying of God, exploding for all the people to see. And when he explodes with glory to God, it's contagious. And all the people now begin to praise the Lord. (laughs) Why? Because God chooses to work in the sphere of weakness. And the disciples were walking right past it. They would have walked right past it. And they're actively trying to shut it down. The place where Jesus was going to work. The place where God's glory was going to explode and to shine. Brothers and sisters, to me, the gospel lesson is clear today. Zechariah 4.10, do not despise the day of small things. Don't despise these things. That's where God chooses to work. Four things on earth are small, Proverbs 30 but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, and yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, and yet it is in the king's palace. The Lord chooses to work his power in things that the world does not regard. That is the way of the cross. And so let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would be at work in us, that you would help us to understand, O God, how you work, that you, Lord, choose things that are low in the world. You choose things that are despised in the world. You choose things that are weak to shame those that are strong, to shame those that are wise, so that no flesh may glory in your presence. And we pray, O God, that you would help us to so understand the way of the cross that we might truly experience and enter into your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.